pray. So, Father, I want to thank you once again for the privilege of gathering around your word. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come and to fill us with a hunger for your word. Uh, we, we think of the words of the psalm. It says, your words are like honey to my soul. And we want to be people that are, are nourished. Mm. Jesus, you said uh, we should um, ask for daily bread and we should be sustained every day by, by your word. And so we, we pray that tonight as we just look at some more guidelines and principles and applications, that you would really put a stir hand in our hearts, Holy Spirit, to, to really get into your word and be, be uh, immersed into your word. Really understand. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. So I want to start with the same scripture again. Uh, all scripture is God breathed. Um, you know, the Bible has been put together by the Holy Spirit and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And just the kind of theme that I want to build on this evening is that. Um, the Word of God really is for us. It's something that it brings, it's kind of this, you know, it's this anchor to our soul, if you like. It's this, this thing that we can um, align ourselves up with, uh, like a plumb line. Uh, you know, we live in this world where, you know, there's no real compass that's set, and the Word of God is like it. Uh, lots of descriptions in the Word of God around that, but if we want to, we want to bring ourselves um, into alignment with, with truth, alignment with God's purpose, alignment with God's eternal perspective. The Word of God is great for that. And we can be thoroughly equipped. Alright, so just to recap. So really, um, you know, what, what, what happens when, what happens where in Scripture, and then the people who did what. Uh, really helpful. Um, and... Yeah, I, I do this all the time. I'm always asking these questions, you know, where, when, and and who. Um, and then the principles we looked at, putting ourselves under the Bible's authority, trusting the Holy Spirit to guide us, understanding the context, and using Scripture to interpret Scripture. Really good principles. And then last week we looked at this, uh, starting to look at how do we apply Scripture to our lives. And the first kind of application is find that key Scripture that's one scripture that really helps unlock a whole topic. Um, not it's not always one one verse, um, but there's there's generally something which when you find it you go ah oh, the, the whole thing starts to make sense to me. So um, as I said last week, otherwise we end up going into rules or we just uh, throw the baby out of the bathwater, which is evidently an expression from my generation. I'm not understood, which basically means. Yeah. Obviously, when you bath a baby, as you would know, the water gets dirty, but you don't want to get rid of your baby because the water's dirty. So you want to throw the water out and keep the throw the rubbish out and keep the truth. All right, we're going to look at two other um, ways of of applying scripture to our lives, um, and I'm going to head back to Mary's, I think, because it's it's uh, it's such a, a a rich topic in scripture. Um, so we see in 1 Peter 3 these two pieces of, of scripture. The one says, Husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, or live with, live with your wives with understanding. That is, husbands should understand their wives. <laughs> and it says, Wives, respect your husbands. So when it comes to marriage, it's always a good thing, husbands, learn to understand your wife. And wives, 
the has been spelled love, R-E-S-P-E-C-T, it's the way they like to be loved. Um, the problem is we, uh, we don't always apply it to ourselves. We think about uh, how scripture could be effectively applied to our spouse or to someone else. Um, so I thought it was about the topic of the I know it's quite serious, but it's a, it is a little bit silly the way the Americans run about it all. But it's very easy to say, you know, God, this wife that you gave me, she doesn't respect me, or the wife saying, uh, this husband you gave me, he doesn't understand me, he doesn't love me. Um, and we see this all through life. Uh, and, you know, raising a child, <laughs> Gavin will tell you how often I tell him, my boy, just take responsibility for yourself. That's all we have to do. Own it, take it. And there's something about when we when we read scripture, we need to first and foremost read it for us for ourselves. So I need to say, God, what do I need to change in me as I look at, at your scripture? And there's actually a lot of scripture around that. Proverbs 6 23. For the commandment is a lamp and the teaching a light. So it's a lovely poetic kind of what God's word says is, is a lamp, and how he teaches is a light. And the repro- reproofs of discipline are the way of life. Basically what, that, what that's saying is that, as I said earlier, Scripture gives us the direction, gives us this, you know, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Uh, same, same kind of thing. But the reproofs of discipline, in other words, when we, get, when we, when we realize that something in us is, needs to be adjusted, needs to be changed, um, that actually is the way of life. That's the way we get to this place of life. Um, it's, it's, it's by us making adjustments in our heart, in, in our actions, in our beliefs, we actually get to a place of living in a, in a place of freedom. So that's the one. And then James, chapter 1, James is a, a, a wonderful book. Um, James writes and he says, be doers of the word and not hearers only. It's like so simple. Um, why? Because if you're a hearer only, you deceive yourself. And remember we, we looked last week at that thing of the eyes and the body. And it is, if you deceive yourself, it's a terrible place to be. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. It's, a, it's kind of this weird picture. You have a look in the mirror, you realize... Now, typically, you look in the mirror because you want to check if there's anything I need to adjust before I head out into the world. Um, you know, yes, there's toothpaste down the side of your face. Um, so, the one man looks at it, sees that, and then immediately is distracted and heads out, arrives at work with the toothpaste down the side of his face. That's the picture. Uh, but the one who looks at, into the perfect law, the law of liberty... Talking about we walk in freedom when we allow the adjustments to happen in our lives. And perseveres, being no hero who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. So this kind of builds on that. So it's saying when we look at the word of God, we want the word of God to make adjustments in our life. And the way we do that is actually to start doing, you know, what it says, actually doing something. Now it's a if you're a teacher, how many teachers have we got here? One. Only one. Oh, goodness. So you'll know that, um, you know, the, what's the saying about teaching? You're speaking, you do something, but when you actually do it, that's when you, you really 
really properly learn it. Um, and so a lot of teaching is about, you know, here's the theory, correct me if I'm wrong here, but now let's go and do it. Let's do a worksheet, or let's do an exercise, or let's do something. Um, and Neil is just learned German, and he could have read and read and read, but until he actually tries to speak German and actually do something about it, or he's going to, you know, engage, do an exam, or whatever it is, until you do, it doesn't really get inside of you, you don't really learn it. Um, and, and this thing of the law of liberty, so God actually wants us to live in a place of freedom. And uh, so what we need to do, so God, here's your word, I'm going to look intently into it. I wanted to make adjustments in my life. I actually want to start living differently because of what I'm reading in your scripture gets us to a place of freedom. All right. And then Jesus teaching, uh, those of you that grew up in a church back in my generation, probably let's say, would have probably sang that song about building a house on the the sand or building a house on the rock. Um, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rains fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. So when we allow the word of God to come and change us, we actually do what it says. The Bible says life is going to get tough. There's no doubt about it. I was seeing someone in the UK today, inflation's just hit 8.9% in the UK in pounds. Uh, that's uh, that's from from you know it's been sitting at sub one percent for the last couple of decades. Suddenly it's at eight point nine, so they're all panicking. We're like, huh? <laughs> but life is going to throw curveballs at you. Life is going to get tough, and you want to be someone whose house is built on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. And so the difference is not in the circumstances we live in life. The difference is how well are we responding to what the Word of God says. So are we, are we just hearing it? As one of the, uh, the message translations says, it goes in one ear and comes out the other ear. Or do we actually do something about what we, what we read? Um, Alright, so, and this is, this is like super, I don't, I don't know how to emphasize how important this is in life in general. You know, and you can apply it to everything. You know, we've looked at marriage. It's very, very easy to, to read scripture and apply it to your wife. It's the easiest thing in the world. It's somehow we, we wired like that for your husband. To put yourself in, in the opposite shoe. Um, in a work situation, it's, it's easy to read scriptures about a boss and what they should be like and apply it to, to them and say they should be like that. Or if you're a boss, very easy to read scriptures about employees and, and apply to them. You know, so whatever your, your situation in life is, it's very easy to apply scripture to the other person. It's, we, we somehow wired that. We can see the faults in everyone else. We battle and they, we call it blind spots for a reason. So once again, we want to get lined up with the Word of God. We read the Word of God. We say, God, won't you reveal to me my blind spots? Let me stare intently into this Word of God. Because I, I want to walk in a place of liberty. I don't want to be stuck in a place of, of uh, like in, in prison because of my blind spots, because of what I'm not seeing about myself. And there's this amazing picture of the Word of God being like a mirror that we can look into and it reflects back and helps us to see the things that we can't see about ourselves. But we only actually change or it only becomes effective if we start to do something about it.
So, first, first kind of uh, application for tonight is apply scripture to yourself first and foremost. Um, and and even I must say, even you know, if I get asked to preach or whatever I'm preaching, I always say, God, I don't want to get up and preach if I don't actually apply this to myself. I don't want to be, you know, someone who, in, in Jesus' words, is a complete hypocrite who who says what something but does something completely different. First, let me make this real. Let me apply it to myself and let me live there. I don't always get it right, but I do. I do have this kind of fear that I'm going to be a, become a, a hypocrite. All right. Second way to apply scripture to ourselves is through perseverance. Uh, there's lots of these, but I quite quite enjoy them. Goes to gym once, four status updates, sixty-five photos, and buys a gym for life. Okay. All right. So we all know. Great to gym once isn't going to change you. It's not going to do anything for you. Um, there's a sense of perseverance. Hebrews chapter 6, uh, the writer says, We desire each one of you to show the same earnestness, to have full assurance of hope until the end, so that you may not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. And then it goes on in Hebrews 11 to talk, talk about all the men of faith and women of faith throughout Scripture and all the incredible things that they did. But... Um, I love this. Through faith and patience. There's something about, and there's lots of scriptures there. I, I could have picked many, many other scriptures around. Persevering, pushing through. So this, this thing of, of getting scripture into you doesn't just happen overnight. You don't, you, know, you don't sit down and just read the Bible and then it goes into you. Have you any of you seen that little Chinese kid trying to study? Uh, so he's got a book in front of him and he's looking at the book and he does this. And he turns the page 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 we don't try, we just do. Uh, it's actually from Yoda. Someone says something to Yoda, and Yoda says, uh, in his, uh, you know how he mixes the sentences up, there is, try, there is not, there is just do and do not do. So he basically, oh, uh, it was Luke's skull. He says to do this, and Luke says, okay, I'll try. He says, no, there's no trying. Just do it or don't do it. <laughs> um, so when it comes to scripture, we, we, we just do it. We start doing it, we start applying it, and then. It's a case of perseverance, um, pushing through. And, and I want to say, you know, just like anything that takes discipline, um, you know, Paul writes a lot about discipline in Scripture. Anything that takes discipline, ask myself. It's, uh, you know, you, you, you try, you try, you, well, no, you try, you do, you do. <laughs> you train, you work hard, you get into it, you have to back off for a while, then you get back into it. Keep going, keep going. Uh, then you reach a milestone, you think, great, I'm there. Um, and then, you know, someone once said to me when I was riding quite hard, they said, listen, uh, I said to them, when does it ever get easier? They said, no, it never gets easier. You just get faster. <laughs> and there's something about, uh, yeah, it's the same kind of thing, but you do realize after a while, you, you've reached these milestones, you get, you get put to these things which have actually changed in your life. And you can look back and say, I was like this, and through, through, God has changed me through His Word. 
Um, so I'm something different. All right. So those two two kind of last uh, applications I wanted to just say. Firstly, apply scriptures yourself. First and foremost. Secondly, um, it does it takes perseverance, and there's going to be ups and downs and setbacks and and breakthroughs. Um, but but don't stop. Don't stop. Uh, Digging in and, and pushing in, and the more also that I found, the more you know, you know, the more you want to know about scripture, and the more fun it becomes to to study. Right, I want to finish off tonight just looking at some practical tools and talking around some things that that I find particularly helpful when it comes to studying scripture. Uh, any questions before I jump into this? All good. All slow. Um, commentaries are great, um, but they can be, I find they can be a little bit confusing, and I'll try and stick to a few that are, people that I really trust, that I really know, you know, well, so, um, the ones that I like, um, Michael Eaton, R.T. Kendall, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, they, they're really solid, um, and they really do apply all of these things that we've been talking about, using scripture to interpret scripture, um, getting stuff into the context, um, you know, they're all very strong on getting the Holy Spirit to to um, help you, guide you as you go. Um, so, and they've all written really, really good commentaries. Michael Eaton's just brought out, well, he's, he's died, but I think they've just brought out, um, they've just published now a full New Testament commentary of all the New Testament books he's had, various ones over the years. And they've, I think they've compiled them all together and put them together. Um, R.T. Kendall, I think both I've mentioned his book, one of his books, on Sunday, and Ant's been also been reading it. Um, but he also has a good, a good set of uh, commentaries. They, I mean, they really are like this. This is the verse, and then just a commentary on that verse, which is super helpful. Not too complex, not too uh, deep. And then Martin Lloyd Jones got a some very, very good commentaries on, on a couple of books, really uh, solid in depth. So, and there's many others. Um, the Expositor's Bible Commentary, it's quite a nice one if you want to get it. Um, it's got a really nice background on, all, on every book in the Bible. So it's a bit of who wrote it, when did they write it, where were they writing it from, uh, when, you know, who were they writing it to, all of those kind of things, and a, and a bit of commentary around that. So, um, good study Bible, also really useful. Um, I was looking at my, I've got an NIV study Bible, which is like falling to pieces now. Um, notes all over it, so, and that's probably the one that I've used the most. Also, once again, NIV Study Bible has actually got quite good introductions to every single book in the Bible, and then on every page, just a commentary on all the verses. Lots of cross references as well, which is helpful. Um, so yeah, so these are great, and I would encourage you, you know, find find people you know. So you know, these guys are really trust. Uh, Michael Eaton is probably one of the greatest Hebrew scholars of this last century. You know, he, he, I think he died like four years ago, so that's, he's a recent. But really, really understood Hebrew and Greek uh, really well. Um, in fact, he got saved because, it's a funny story. So he was studying uh, um, Greek at university in England somewhere. I don't know where he was. Um, and he was looking for texts with lots of Greek in it because he was trying to learn this, uh, specifically ancient Greek, you know, old Greek. Um, so he was studying through, you know, he's a, a complete language uh, genius. So and he came, he realized that 
there, there's a lot of Greek translations of the Bible that are still being preserved. So he started reading the Bible in Greek. His first time he ever read the Bible was in Greek. Um, and he was reading it, and he's like, wow, this is amazing. And he got saved by reading the Bible in Greek because he was trying to learn Greek. So it just gives you an idea of kind of the level. So he really, when he says, you know, this is what this word means, you can you know, trust that he's, he is the authority on that. Um, yeah, so nowadays, um, just I find a lot of what you had to do with a study Bible in, in the old days, you can get online. There's amazing online tools. One that I use most often is called Bible Gateway. Um, it's just a website you go to, um, and you can get many different translations. And I'll often have a literal translation on the left and a paraphrase translation on the right, just so that I can see, okay, this is what the original words said, and this is how you know, it kind of should be interpreted in, in English, or paraphrased into English. So you can literally have them up like that, 1 Timothy 6, just a random verse that I picked there. Um, so you, you, know, you can see that's what, what the verse is in the English Standard Version, and that's what the verse is in the message, and it's super helpful just to kind of read, read that through. So if you you're looking at a specific um, uh, piece of scripture, and actually something that I, I was going to put in the notes and I, I forgot to. Um, there's different ways of studying the Bible. So we spoke about studying a topic across the whole of scripture. There's also what's called exegesis. 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 Thank you. Where um, you 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 take a specific piece of scripture, a book, or a couple of chapters, and you literally study it verse by verse. Um, now, you might say, well, that's quite boring because, you know, I, I don't want to read all the verses in between. I just want the juicy ones here and there. <laughs> but actually, as I was talking about beforehand, sometimes those, one, you get nice context to the whole book, and two, um, you know, it kind of forces you to have a look at those scriptures you wouldn't necessarily want to jump into and have a look at. Uh, so it's quite different, for example, you know, these, the, I suppose the third way of, of studying scripture is to get you know, a daily verse sent to you, or a daily piece of scripture, which generally those are just the juicy pieces, so nothing wrong with that. But sometimes just studying something from the beginning to the end, taking it line by line, uh, verse by verse, is super helpful. And this is one of the ways that I, I really enjoy doing that. So I'll read a, read a book in the Bible, and I'll read it kind of verse by verse across two different translations. Um, and then the other thing is, is obviously the ability to cross-reference. So often you want to know Remember I said when I was talking about uh, marriage, there's many scriptures in the New Testament that reference back to Genesis chapter 2. So you, you quickly see that when you're getting a cross-reference. And once again, you know, in the old days of have in the middle, you know, this reference is Genesis 2, and then you have to flip back to Genesis 2. It's quite hard to see that. Um, whereas now it's much easier. Just click on the link. Off you go. It's like instantaneous. Like... Uh, Two minute noodles just goes. Um, something else, just while I'm on there, um, I should have put these in the notes, maybe I'll add them uh, after I've finished here. One of the other things that we've really enjoyed doing recently is we've got the Bible on, or the audio Bible. We had it on CDs, but now we don't have a CD player, so it doesn't work. But now we've found it on, uh, on our phones. So you jump in the car, and, and they're actually really, really good now. The guys read them with real expression, and it's quite nice to listen to. Um, and, and they're in scripture, and it's quite interesting when you're driving, like especially if you're doing a longest trip, and you listen to quite a chunky piece of scripture, 
somehow when you read it, you don't always get, um, like, I don't know, somehow when you're listening to it, it's a different, you get a different sense of context. Uh, Jesus, like, would repeat himself quite a lot. You don't necessarily pick that up when you read it. You think, oh, I think, I seem to have read this before, but actually it was a few chapters earlier. When you, where somehow when you're listening to it, and you know it's sequential, you go, wait a minute, he just said that 10 minutes ago. It's, I think it's maybe a little bit easier in your brain to figure out that it's being repeated. Um, so it's another great way of just getting scripture into you. So we have often have just the Bible going in the car. Um, and it's quite nice, you know, you're driving down to school and you've got someone reading the scripture and Gavin starts asking questions. So it's a great way to, remember I said right, right in the first one, how, how the Old Testament says, you know, you should immerse yourself in scripture. Put it to the doorposts of your house, you know, have it um, kind of on your forehead in front of you all the time. And one of the ways of doing that, we find, is to have it in the car while you're driving. So it's just being read to you. And get a good one, you know, there's some boring ones in the old days. Of the world. <laughs> Goodness me, this is boring. Whereas the new ones, it's quite vibrant. I mean, it's quite violent as well, the Bible, just to warn you. It should be an age restriction on some of the books. The lady who, the, the, ba- the baddie came and sl- you know, asked if he could sleep for the night in the tent. He said, you're sure. And she took her tent bed and hammered it through his head. I mean, it's like, wow, it's hectic. <laughs> and when they're reading it, and it's all like action. Wow. <laughs> all right. Um, some other... Kind of practical things. So as I was saying, I think I mentioned this. Uh, spoke about that. Just uh, there was a question I think last week in terms of um, which which are the best uh, translations of the Bible. Um, so I, I dug around and I found this quite nice little graphic. Um, so on the left are the very uh, word for word or literal translations. Um, it's actually there's a a formal name for it. It's called formal equivalence or dynamic equivalence on the right. Um, so the New American Standard Bible, the English Standard Version, uh, the New English Translation, the King James and the New King James are all in that family of word for word. The, the, the translators trying to do it uh, word for word. Now, it's quite difficult to do word for word um, because, for one, the Hebrew sentence structure in the Hebrew is right, written from right to left. And the sentence structure is very different to English as well, so uh, it's quite hard. Um, so things like um, the God's Word translation, trying to do kind of closest natural equivalents. So the, these ones, when, when they're word for word, I'll show you some examples now. That they're not really word for word. They, they, they obviously have to construct the sentence so that it looks proper <laughs> in English. Um, Whereas these ones start to move away from that a little bit. And then thought for third, thought things like the, the NIV, um, the, uh, yeah, there's, there's a couple in there. The New Living Translation as well is, um, is, is quite a, uh, a nice translation to read as well. And then you get very paraphrased. So the New, the, the, I think it's the New International Reader's Version. So it's the NIV that they're trying to make it a little bit easier to read. The message, obviously, and the Good News Translation, which is a much older one. M- many of us, I think, grew up with that in Sunday school, drawing all the little line drawings in it. I just remember all the pictures, not so much the words. Um, so that's kind of the range of what you get. What I do want to say, what I found quite helpful is to understand a little bit the teams behind those, or the people behind those translations. 
um, and just have a look at, at their life. Now, I don't know all of them, but I did have a look at, so for example, the team behind the NIV, the initial translation, um, what they did was they got together a lot of um, very, very good scholars, so language scholars and others, not necessarily even all Christians. Um, so, so one of the criticisms was you've got, you've got unsaved people trying to translate the Bible, but they were the, the best in their fields you know, at the time. So it's an interesting kind of observation of that, whereas the English Standard Version, they, they try to um, also get really, really good scholars, but really focus on the people who are born again, passionate for Jesus, um, so, you know, I, I don't know if it has an impact, but it's just useful to maybe know a little bit behind that. The NIV is obviously, it's a team that's been around for a long time, so it's, there's different people who've come in. I think it's changed quite a lot. The message translation is, was done by one guy, a guy named Eugene Peterson, who is an amazing Christian. Uh, he's a preacher, a uh, scholar, um, really, really loves God passionately. Um, and, and has, has set out to, to do you know, a very much a paraphrased translation, but really I think worked hard to try and understand what the original intent of the scripture was and, and get that into the best possible pictures in, in, in modern day English that he could. So yeah, so I think it's useful to know where they sit. And as I say, I normally keep the SV and the message open, so I get both ends. Um, but I, I found this, which I thought was quite interesting. Um, so sometimes you think, well, the word-for-word -word translation is better, but not necessarily always so. So this is actually off the New Living Translations um, website. And they, they say, some of us have been made to believe that uh, trustworthy English Bible translations must always match words and sentences structures of the original language. But actually a translation that truly did that would be largely unintelligible in English. I'll, I'll show you what that looks like as we... The next couple of slides. Um, so the NLT conveys the precise meaning of the original languages. It will also help you understand what the Bible says in today's English with the same clarity as those who once read it in the original languages. Um, so it's a little bit of marketing. I don't necessarily will believe that, but it's a, it's, I think it's a reasonable point that they make. And that this is here is be sure you read a translation that you can understand. Um, and there are enough good ones out there. That uh, they don't have to be necessarily word for word. All right. Any questions on any of that? Ask to see the, the breadth of where they're all at. Sorry, Pete, that GW, the God's Word translation. I've never seen that. Uh, so I have seen it, but it's not one that I've used at all. I don't think ever. But it's it's uh, it's yeah. I've definitely seen it around. Um, I mean, there are lots. If you look at like Bible Gateway, there's lots and lots of translations. All right. So one of the other tools that I really like, and, and this might get a little bit technical, but I'm going to try and keep it less technical. So there's a, a website called BibleHub.com, and they have what's called an interlinear translation tool. So what they have is the. So this is Matthew's Greek, the black, the large black. The writing is, is the actual Greek, the original Greek that's in there. And then underneath there, they've got, in the red, they've got the English translation literally word for word. So this is, uh, you know, and then above it, they've got how you would pronounce it in English letters, the Greek words. 
Um, and then at the bottom it tells you whether it's an adverb or a conjunction, you know, all of those English things that some will tell you about afterwards. Uh, prepositions and all of those things. So, so it's the language structure. So not do judge, that not you should be judged with whatever for verdict you judge, you will be judged, and with whatever measure you measure, it will be measured against to you. Why now? So you can see, you know, in the original language, you know, it's a bit mixed up. But we, we, we figure out it's Matthew chapter 7, do not judge it, you know, and this. Do not judge because you will also be judged based on the judgments you kind of you pass. I'm paraphrasing completely. <laughs> <laughs> it's because you probably know and have seen before. <laughs> but what I like about this is a couple of things that you can do with this. So the one is um, you can actually copy and paste those words. So like you shall be judged, krithete, uh, that funny word. You can literally copy and paste that Greek word into Google and do a search on that, and it'll give you lots of other references to that, and you can get definitions of what the word means, where it's used in secular literature, all sorts of things. So it's, it's really helpful if you, if you really want to try and understand a particular word. But what's more useful is you can actually just click on the word on Bible Hub and it'll take you and give you a list of all the other occasions where that particular word has been used. Now, seeing, you know, because remember that the original Hebrew or Greek words um, often can't, there's not a direct translation into English. Uh, so there's a lot of words where you would get, you know, a chair in Greek is a chair in English, but then there's many other, especially things that are around emotion or around life and love and all sorts of things. So, you know, in English we have love, in Greek there's many, many different words for love that get translated into love, and life for that matter. Um, so seeing the actual original word and then being able to see where else it gets used, you get a sense for, okay, this is how that, that word gets used. But the other one which I find more interesting is seeing the different Greek words that get translated into the same English word. So, for example, here we said, Jesus talking, he says, The thief not comes, if not that he might steal, and might kill, and might be, uh, and might destroy. It's been cut off. I came that life they may have, and abundantly may have it. That sounds like you now. Um, <laughs> so... You know, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come to bring you life and life uh, in abundance. Um, and you'll see there that word for life there. Where's my mouse? Mouse. It's the word zoin, or the, the, the root word is zoe. Um, and if we look at another scripture, uh, whoever of you wants to wants to save his life or lose it, and whoever wants will lose his life life for my sake will will, will find it. Um, is the scripture, and you can see that that word there uh, is uh, sakin, where we get the our English word saki from. So it's it's uh, it's a different word, and you can immediately see that you know you think of Zoe, you think of energy, you think of life. You think of abundance, you think of psyche, you think of, you know, me, myself, my kind of... But both of them have been translated as life. And then immediately you say, okay, so Jesus came to give us life. Not life as in, this is who you are, this is what you're going to be. Um, but life as in energy and excitement and, you know, Zoe. Um, whereas 
you know, if you want to, if you want to find yourself, basically, um, and, you, and you're ignoring me, and you're pursuing yourself, your psyche, your, you know, you're becoming introspective, you're gonna, you're gonna miss out. But if you prepare to put that down for my sake, you will actually find, find yourself. So you, you know, you read in English, and it's, you know, Jesus said, "I'm going to come and give you life," and if you, you know, try and find your life, try and uh, save your life, you're going to lose it. I'm battling to translate because there's too many words in there. But you know what I'm saying. So you, you see, okay, it's actually a different kind of a different concept that, that is being talked about, but gets translated. And there's a couple of words in Greek, especially where there's, there's a lot of different Greek words. Um, that all get translated to one English word. Um, and so, yeah, this, this is very helpful. Um, so these, these, you can see there's numbers also right at the top, uh, 379, 373, whatever. Those are, so there was a group of people many years ago who, who went and indexed every single Greek and every single Hebrew word in the Bible um, and gave them a, what they call a Strong's number. One of the guys' surnames was strong, um, and 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 what's happened is over the decades now, um, there's been lots and lots of research around that specific set of words. So you can go. So not only can you go and search those words at Google, but you can also go and click on the Strong's number as well, and go and get a Strong's definition. Um, and there's also there's another uh, index index set of Greek and Hebrew words called lines, um, which now they're using the same numbers, so it's quite useful. So you can hop between Strong's and Vines. Uh, in the old days, once again, you had to go and buy a Strong's Concordance. It was a big fat set of books that you would have to page through and look. It was very common. My dad had one. He studied theology when I was a kid. Um, and I remember looking through it and this is all Greek to me. But now you can just click and you can see and you, you, Definitions you get the root words of the words you're looking at. You get a lot of information about them, and it's. I, I find it's it's really helpful. Once again, if you if you kind of start getting stuck in the scripture, or you really want to say, God, I need to understand this. This is one of the, the tools that I actually end up using more than more than I realized as I was preparing for this. All right, so quite a range from sitting in the car listening to scripture. Great way of studying through to something's really interesting tool. So all, all I'm saying is don't get nervous of this. It's actually really easy to understand once you once you get it and you start seeing it. And you'll see then that you know things like the English Standard Version, all they do is they literally take those words and then put them in the right order for an English sentence. Whereas something like the message will take the concepts and will focus a little bit more on, you know, how do I how do I describe life, this particular life, as opposed to that particular life? And so you'll see a little bit more on that. You also get um, <laughs> translations like the Amplified Bible that will literally say, you know, uh, get to the word life and then it'll have in brackets ex an explanation of what the Greek word means. So that becomes very cumbersome to read, but also quite useful. I find it's actually easier to go to this if, I'm, if I want to get to that level of depth, uh, detail and, and jump in and have a look. Alright, so Bible Gateway is the one and then Bible Hub is the other. Um, both really, really good resources. Absolutely for free, you don't pay anything for them. And the one that I do use a lot in Bible Hub is the Interlinear because it's really, really good and it's got a very, very good link. All the Strong's wo uh, index words, all the Vines words are, are in there and you can get them. 
And then also, yeah, I, I find it particularly interesting to see where else in literature do you find these words being used in and, 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 you know, and there's, there's lots there's lots of internet around this stuff as well alright so just to recap how's that? Pip, while you're there I've got a question about um, the Bible project um, what are your what is your experience and your opinion on it I find I, I found that it was when I got introduced to it and I started looking at it, it, it from on the surface, it was really good in the way they put together the stories and videos and to try and condense this into an understandable context. But when you dig deeper, I, I'm not sure if it if it really keeps the you know, the, the core essence of the Bible um, or not. So I'm a little bit unsure now. It's 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 helpful. You've got children, you've got people that you want to introduce you to a story or it's a summary of something. It, it gives you that. But yeah, well, what are your thoughts and your experience with it? I, I must say, I haven't looked too deeply into it. Um, yeah, I think once again, I looked at it uh, a while back now. I'm trying to remember, I'm not going to confuse the other things. Um, but the, the Bible project is basically. It's, I'm trying to remember now, but it's a, it's a video of, yes. of the stories. Yes, it's an animated video of the stories as they talk through it and they give you a little bit of background of what else was happening at the time that was there. So it, it does help with that context of who, where, when, just to shape the story and it leaves you with very key messages of, mm. so here's what we see and here's what yeah. happened. I'd say with all those things, just remember that it's it's additional to the Bible, so it may be helpful. Well, it probably is helpful to understand what's going on. Um, the the one I do really enjoy is, is the Chosen series because I think they've really worked hard to to think about why Scripture says certain things, um, and then obviously there's some creative license that goes into that as well, like, like Matthew. Which I think is hilarious. Um, he's, he's really, really good. Um, how many of you have seen The Chosen? Well, well worth just having a watch through of those. Um, you can get them on YouTube. But there's many of these, you know. So I, 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 I can't really comment on the Bible project. I, I looked at it a while back. Interesting. I didn't really explore it too much more. I remember when we were growing up, there was also the, uh, I think it was called the Jesus movie or Jesus. The Jesus movie. The Jesus movie, yeah. Which was, yeah, I think it was shown all over the place. Helpful yeah. for an evangelism tool, um, but also trying to tell the story of Jesus. And then there's there's the video series Matthew, which yeah. is all the way through Matthew, kind of acted out. The which was quite good. The visual Bible. The visual Bible. Well, the yeah. South African actors. Yeah. South African. Um, but yeah, so there, I think. As long as you realize these things all, you know, they, they often all make you think, oh, interesting, I hadn't thought about that. But like, you know, the chosen, there's a lot of things where, you know, so in the chosen, like Jesus is quite a happy <coughs> person, character, you know, he jokes a lot. And then when you actually go back and read the scriptures, you realize he probably was actually joking around with, with, uh, with his disciples. 
and, and it probably was quite a fun environment to be in. That, and I hadn't really thought about that before. Um, and, then, and then like people like uh, Nicodemus, who's Nicodemus, eh? Um, they do really well, and then you kind of see them appearing all over the place, and think, well, you could well have been there, then you kind of start piecing the scriptures together. So I think the more research these guys do, and uh, tying scriptures together, the better those kind of para Bible things become. Yeah. Anything else? Alright, so. Guidelines. We've been through them a few times. When, where, and and who did it? Um, and really, yeah, this, these these principles are very key. That the and and a lot of what I said tonight is really around putting yourself under in the bounds of authority and trusting the Holy Spirit to guide you. I think for me, those are two key key principles. Um, and then kind of backing them up, really trying to understand the context and then letting scripture interpret scripture. Um, and then the application, so find the key scriptures that unlock topics when you're working with them. Um, apply it to yourself, persevere. So if you're going through an exegesis, looking at a particular book, like the one which was, which was really interesting a few years ago, um, did a, I did a study on, on, I think it was Leviticus, um, and then looked at all because it's Leviticus gets quite long. It's you know, and so and so, and son and sons, or you know, King James, it's so and so begat so and so, and he begat so and so. Um, Genesis is also quite interesting like that. There's lots of genealogy in Genesis. Gavin was we were listening the other day in the car, so. and so and so was born and he lived to be seven years old, and he had six sons and three daughters, and then he died. And then the next one was this person, da da da, and he died. And then after all, I was like, So, but it's really interesting then when you take those genealogies and you actually start looking at them um, and where those names appear in other places. Um, and obviously, if you're tracing some of genealogy, there's often different routes you can go. You can, let's say, if you look in, in I mean, Matthew and Luke, both have genealogies of Jesus, but they're different genealogies. They both go from Jesus back to. Well, one goes all the way to Adam, but through David, um, but they go different routes um, because obviously you, you could have, you know, your mother and your father end up with, with different routes back to the same person ultimately. Um, and it's really, really interesting then to have a look at the lives and the stories of those people where they fit in, who gets mentioned in other places. So um, sometimes, you know, you need to just persevere through some of those things, but when you do, you, you find out a whole lot of stuff that you kind of never knew. And then, Suddenly, those really boring pieces of scripture become really, really interesting. And then finally, um, in terms of application, for me, what I was trying to say is find the tools that work for you. Um, and it could be different things for different seasons in life as well. So, you know, you might find that, you know, just having a Bible on your phone that plays whenever you get into your car is, is really useful for some seasons of life. And then the other times where you, you actually want to sit and, and really just get into scripture and study scripture and you know, uh, kind of really un understand some specifics around that. Um, so, yeah. That's my story. Any, anything further on any of those? Thanks for the very helpful comments that have come through. Thanks for being useful.
Anything else from you, okay? As a, as a theological college. <laughs> <laughs> so, but one thing just, I mean, that really struck me when you looked at all those um, names and so on is when I was a teenager, there was something about called the Living Bible, and nobody even mentions it anymore. And I think the crux of the matter was that there were so many, uh, it was a paraphrase really in essence, but there were so many fairly inaccuracies that they kind of lost reputation, I suppose. And so in a sense, um, the Christian and theological world is monitoring mm. the word that goes out there. And those kind of translations uh, and paraphrases will lose credibility. It's true, yeah. I remember the Living Translation. So I think the new, the new Living Translation is a. Oh, this was called the Living Bible. Yeah, the Living, the living Bible. Bible. That's right. Yeah. Bible. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe Living not say the Living Translation. Yeah, that was the Living Bible and the, and the Good News when we were growing up. Those are the ones that you read. Why do so many translations have the word "new" in them? Was there ever an international version? Well, like, translation. Well, like so version. many news. Yeah, the, the King James is the only one I know where there was not new. Yeah. Um, oh, that's a good question. There was the International Standard Version. Hmm. Um, new always sounds good. Because <laughs> like NIV is like nineteen eighty four, so yeah. so it's like not really new. <laughs> but, but they are updating. Yeah, they do update the changes. So, as they find new words. So, so I've got a, I've got the NIV study Bible. Then I got, thinking about ninety six. And then when I read the NIV on, if I if I'm just quickly looking something up in the app, a new version of my phone, I read and I go, no, that's not how I know that scripture. So there's, there's scriptures that are read so often that I know what I should read. This. You read in the, in, on the online version, and it's, it's using different wording. And you go, wait a minute. Have they changed it? And, and yeah, they have updated it. Um, but yeah, that's, that's obviously part of the process. Any other question? What's your favorite book in the Bible? So I think it changes. Uh, <laughs> No. <laughs> um, yeah, so, I don't know. Like, I really enjoy Nehemiah because I like the part of history. So, Ezra and Nehemiah, I like to do those two together because there's such a lot that's in there. But, yeah. Maybe, probably Hebrews. I like Hebrews because there's so much in there. And there's a lot of really, really difficult scriptures that I find. Once I get my head around them, I really understand. Uh, you know, quite a, quite a lot. So, yeah, in Hebrews, I don't know. I love Proverbs as well. I really do. There's times I always love reading Proverbs. Mm. Um, yeah, so like often when Bill and I are driving, we'll put Proverbs on because it's quite nice. There's a lot of things like my son. This is your father's teacher. <laughs> 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 <
say start in John, but I actually find John really complicated, um, uh, and there's some like, really confusing stuff in there, so I would, I would start with Mark, I love Mark, um, you might have picked it up, uh, I love the person on Mark, I like the way, the way he writes, it's very literal, you know, Jesus did this, and then he got in a boat, and he went here, and he did this, and then the next day he got up early, and he went to pray, it's, so it's, it's very easy to kind of learn the life of Jesus, and it's quite a short gospel as well, so I start... I would start there, um, yeah, and then, I don't know, I think. So for me, part of discipleship is really walking with someone. So if there is a new believer who you want to walk with, I'd say, hey, let's start, you know, start to mark, and then, then like, let's get interactive and chat about it, and see where, they, where their interests are, what they, what they find interesting in it, and then help them take it from there. So I like, I like that. Um, yeah, so that, that's, if someone, someone's brand new and said, hey, I want to read the Bible, we don't start, that's a good one. Um, I mean, there's some other stuff that we've had in the past, and um, we've been people. Um, I remember there was, there was, uh, I told you before, there was two ladies that got saved on the street while back in the life of the church. And then we gave them, we said to just read Mark, and then we gave them uh, like a little, Thing of like what to read when you start, yeah. like, yeah, yeah like, uh, how to get going about way, it. If you say it or if you, yeah, so we, we sent to we had a couple in the church, um, Ian and um, Beata, uh, Horrell, um, who were deacons. So we said to them, Would you mind going just meeting with you? So it was like on the Sunday night they got saved, and I think they went on the Tuesday evening to Elizabeth. And these ladies had read all of Mark, they'd read this little booklet. Wow. They were like, we've got to get baptized. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you do. How do you know? read it in the Bible, So they were looking at Hillbrow. It's quite a mission to find. So we had to find someone to baptize someone in a Hillbrow flat. So they knew someone who still had a working bath in their flat and they went there and ran the bath. They went there and ran the bath baptized. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, so I think let's yeah, so start somewhere there. But great question. Mm-hmm. Anything else? Yeah. 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 All right, let's pray. 
Father, we do want to thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, that um, there are so many tools available for us to study it. But, uh, Lord, more than all of that, uh, we, we, we want to hunger for your word, Lord. We want, to, we want to be consuming your word on a daily basis. We want to be eating the word of God, um, getting it into our systems, uh, digesting it, Allowing it to give us life, allowing it to change us, allowing it to fix our blind spots, allowing it to, to just set us on a, on a path that leads to righteousness. Lord, we want to be people that are equipped uh, to do the good work that you've prepared for us to do. And that is part of that equipping is through your word. So Lord, my, my prayer is that we wouldn't get stuck on any of these, uh, these things. We, we would just be, be a people that are hungry for your word. And desiring to get it into us. And um, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever it takes, I pray that you would, you would give us that hunger, Lord. That you would look back in years to come and go, that, that couple of weeks just ignited, sparked something in my life. And, and I'm so excited about the Word of God. That's my prayer, Lord, that this would be a, just either a new sparking us to, to look at your Word or a rekindling of the desire to look at your Word. But we want, we really want the desire to look at you. And thank you, Lord, that it is, it is a miraculous piece of text that we have. It's the, it's the Word of God that's been preserved for us over thousands and thousands of years. And we want to thank you for that. And so, Lord, as we, as we take hold of it, and as we study it, and as we read it, and as we learn from it, and as we do what we see in that Word of God, I pray that you would come and adjust our lives and change us. Help us to sit under the authority of the Word and allow you to adjust our lives because of your word. And Holy Spirit, we pray that you would be the helper, the guide, the one who teaches and reminds us and um, helps us to, to see what it is that you want to see in your word and do what, what we see in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it.